So today, as you can see up there, we're up to Acts chapter 4. We'll talk a bit about Acts chapter 3 as well, because Cam's been talking about Acts chapter 1 and 2. But just to introduce today's message, we'll go right back, (laughs) way back to when Jesus was conceived. And Jesus was conceived when the Holy Spirit came upon Mary. And so Jesus was born into the world nine months later. Jesus was born of the Spirit. So Jesus had the Holy Spirit right from the time of his conception. He was conceived by the Spirit, born of the Spirit, but he didn't start his ministry until at, at his baptism. And at his baptism he was filled with the Spirit. And then he went out in the power of the Spirit to do his ministry. On the night before Jesus was crucified, he said to his disciples that you all will fall away on account of me. And Peter, you know, big bold Peter, stands up and said, oh yeah, all else might, but I won't. But that night Peter denied that he even knew Jesus three times. After Jesus' death and resurrection, which we've just been celebrating, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away our sin, reconciles us to his Father, that now we can know his Father as our Father. And so after Jesus' death and resurrection, he appeared to his disciples over 50 days. And the first time he appeared to them all together, he breathed on them. As Cam and shepherds who breathed on them said, receive the Holy Spirit, and they received the Holy Spirit. And as Cam said, I believe too, is what Cam said, that's when they were really born again. It's when they had the revelation that Jesus had died for their sins and risen again from the dead. And they were born of the Spirit. Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus said, you will receive power to be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And he was referring to that they needed to be filled with the Spirit to be his witnesses. It's the only way we can be a witness to Jesus. It's not in our power. You know, Peter said, I can do it. But that night he denied Jesus three times. We can only be a witness to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we see what's what Cam has shared with us on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit filled all of Jesus' disciples that they were empowered to be his witnesses. In such a way there's Peter who had denied Jesus before now stands up and he preaches in power, in boldness, declaring Jesus. And in such a way, in powerful way, that 3,000 men are added to the church that day. There was 120 there in that room and now Peter preaching in the power of the Spirit, preaching Jesus, 3,000 are added to the church. 3,000 believed in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour and were baptised. Now that's the introduction. 
Now we'll talk about Acts chapter 3 and 4. In Acts chapter 3 and 4, we, we have the story of the man who was born a cripple. He was born crippled and for 40 years, he's 40 years old at the time of this story, and every day he was carried to the temple to beg. And so I would presume, the Bible doesn't say so, so I'm presuming, seeing he was 40 years old and carried to the temple every day to beg, that Jesus would have seen him. I presume that Jesus would have seen him many times. And yet Jesus never healed him. Do you know why? I can tell you why. Because Jesus said he only ever did what the Father told him to do. He only ever said what the Father told him to say. So obviously the Father never told Jesus to go and heal, heal that cripple. And I am sure Peter and John, you know, they would have been going up to the temple regularly. And this day they're going to the temple on the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon when the people of God came together to pray. And I'm sure Peter and John had seen this cripple there many times. But this day was his day. This day, I believe the Holy Spirit prompted Peter and John I'm going to heal this man through you. See, as Christians, we're to be led by the Spirit. If we go out like Peter and say, we'll do it in our own strength and we'll never deny you, we will deny him. But if we go in the power of the Spirit, we can be like Peter on the day of Pentecost. He spoke boldly and all these people added to the church. And so as Peter and John are going up to the temple that day, the Holy Spirit, I believe, gives them a nudge and said, I'm going to heal this man through you. And so when this man asks for money, Peter says, silver and gold I have none, but what I give you, no, what I have, what I have I give you. He knew what he had. He knew who he had. He had the risen Lord Jesus living in him by the Holy Spirit. And he was confident because I believe God had shown you by the Spirit this was going to happen. If God tells you to do something, he enables you to do it. And he listened to Peter's prayer. It wasn't a prayer, I hope this man will be healed. It was a prayer, he knew he could be healed. And Peter says, silver and gold I have none, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he grabbed the man by the hand, pulled him up and he leapt up. Imagine that. What a miracle. He'd been crippled for 40 years, never walked. For 40 years, his muscles would have been weak as water. He'd leapt to his feet and went jumping and leaping and praising God into the temple with him. Wow. What a miracle. And all these people, they'd seen this cripple sitting there for all these years and they saw the miracle and they came running. They'd seen a sign and now they're wondering what's going on. <laughs> sign and a wonder. And so Peter speaks boldly again in the power of the Spirit. He speaks Jesus again to these people who came running because they saw this cripple healed. And it says another 2,000 men were added to the church that day. The church grew to 5,000. Wow, 
That's evangelism. Well, better look at what's up there now. <laughs> That's just the introduction, so hope not too long. We'll have a look at Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Now the Sadducees were Sadducee because they didn't believe in any resurrection. And I'll be pretty sad if I didn't believe in any resurrection. If when you're dead, that's it. (laughs) And so they were upset that Peter and John were preaching in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I'm just going to look at a couple of verses what what Paul says about the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. You hear that? You hear that? If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, let's all go home, forget about all this. That's really saying. And if, and if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. Verse 17, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. So I hope you are believers in the resurrection. Just says if you're not of all people, you're most to be pitied. No wonder the Sadducees were sad, you see. Let's have a look at verse 3. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Now I was getting that mixed up that there back before with um, when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Acts. But here we are, we're up to that now. You know, there's a consequence when you share Jesus. There's a consequence when you preach Jesus in the power of the Spirit. Peter and John, as a consequence, were thrown into jail. Fortunately, in this country, we don't get thrown into jail for preaching Jesus. Not yet. May come. But not yet. We don't know a lot about persecution here, do we? I read something recently where the Vatican said that they've worked out on average 100,000 people on average every year are put to death for their faith in Jesus Christ. 100,000 people a year are put to death for their faith in Jesus Christ. We really don't know what persecution is in this country. I recently read a book by the person who was the vicar of Baghdad. The Anglican Church in England sent him out to be the vicar in Baghdad. And they really knew persecution in his church. He was so effective as the vicar of Baghdad in in reaching people for Jesus, 
that when ISIS came on the scene, they put 100 million pounds, not dollars, 100 million pounds on his head. And you know how they like to chop off heads. So when they put 100 million pounds on his head, the Anglican Church in England was sure they'd take his head off. And so they called him back to England. But in his book, I was reading how that he just said in his book, last year we added 93 new people to our church who received Jesus as Lord and Saviour and who were born again. He said, just in one week, we baptised 13 people secretly. So you do it secretly because of the persecution. But a week later, those 13 who had been baptised, there were two left alive. The rest had been killed because of their stand for Jesus. But it wasn't all negative about standing up and preaching Jesus, was it? They got thrown in jail. But what happened? As I said before, another 2,000 people were added to the church. Wow. Wow. Let's have a look at verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, is this referring to the infilling of the Holy Spirit that he had on the day of Pentecost? It's actually not. If you look at the tense of the words there, in the original language, it's saying an immediate infilling of the Spirit. Immediate, sudden infilling of the Spirit is the, is the tense of those words. So he was filled with the Spirit again. Why? Because we can only be a witness to Jesus in the power of the Spirit. And now he's got his standing before these religious people and God fills him afresh with the Spirit so he can speak in boldness and power to these religious people. And so here we have verse 8 again. And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and have been asked how he was healed... Then know this, see his boldness, compared to, I don't never known him. <laughs> Big difference, now he's filled with the Spirit. And then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. See the boldness of Peter as he's filled with the Spirit. Man, and speaking to his religious leaders that way, and see who he says healed this man. He doesn't say, John and I did it. <laughs> no, he says, it is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. We're just God's instruments who he works through. We cannot heal anyone. And so this crippled man was healed by Jesus through Peter and John. They were available. And look what else he says there. It says, whom you crucified. Whom you crucified. Wow, he's really pointing the finger around. But you know what he's pointing to do? He's pointing the finger at you too. You too. You too, Dylan. You too, Tom. 
You too, Jenny. You too, Cam. You crucified Jesus. And you say, how did I crucify Jesus? That happened 2,000 years ago. I wasn't there. But Jesus came into this world for two reasons. The first one, he came into this world to show people what God is like. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so people saw in, the, in Jesus what God is like and they saw God as love. But he also came into this world because God desired for us to know him and walk with him and enjoy him forever. That our sin, and sin is falling short of God's glorious standard, so everybody has sinned. And our sin separates us from God. And so Jesus came into this world to reconcile us to God. And that's what we've been celebrating here. Jesus, as Cam said a while ago, who never ever sinned, took upon himself on that cross all our sin, all our guilt, all our shame, and he paid the price for every one of your sins and he took your sins away. And he died, but death could not hold him down. He rose in victory over sin and death and Satan. Hallelujah. So he did all that for you and for me because God desires for us to know him and walk with him and spend eternity with him. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's have a look at verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Salvation is found in no one else. Man, that's very um, exclusive, isn't it? Salvation is found in no one else. A lot of people don't like that. I know people, when I say that, just get get angry, upset. Are you saying that Jesus is the only way to God? Yes. Muhammad is not. Krishna is not. Buddha is not. There's only one way to God, and it's Jesus. Salvation is found in no one else. And why is salvation found in no one else? I've just shared why. Because of our sin. And Jesus took our sin and he took it away. And so he's the only one who reconciles us to God. There is no other way. He's the door, he's the gate. And so unless you receive the salvation that Jesus has bought for you, you're lost and you're dead in your sin. And it doesn't matter how much you worship Muhammad or Buddha or Krishna, if you don't receive Jesus, hell will be your future. Verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realised these were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Wow. Here again, it's showing the boldness of Peter and John as they're filled with the Spirit speaking to his religious leaders. They notice, they see the courage. They're astonished that they're unschooled, ordinary people. You know, you don't have to have a theological degree to share Jesus. (laughs) You can be like Peter and John, unschooled, ordinary people. 
All you need to know is Jesus, who he is and what he's done and the power of the Spirit. And you can share Jesus like they did. They took note that they've been with Jesus. Do people take note that you've been with Jesus? Do people take note? They took note. Verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John reply, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Again, we see their boldness, boldness in the spirit, where they were so timid before. Here they are commanded by those in authority not to speak any more in the name of Jesus. You know, the Bible actually tells us to obey those in authority, to obey those in authority in the church, to obey those in authority in the local government, in the state government, in the federal government, to obey the laws. But there is an exception. What's the exception? It's here in this verse. We obey God first. And if what people are telling us to do or commanding us to do is contrary what God would have us doing, we always obey God first. But if the laws and the people in authority are not telling us to do contrary to God, we're to obey them and honour them. But here we are, Peter and John, they've been told not to preach any more in the name of Jesus and that's exactly what Jesus has sent them out to do. So, of course, they said, we're obeying God, not you. Look at the last part. And as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Wow, they couldn't help speaking about what they've seen and heard. What about you? You've seen or heard anything that you can't stop speaking about? I was not a Christian for my first 29 years of my life and all that time because I grew up involved in the church, I believed God was real. But so what? That's how I felt. I did my own thing. I lived a life doing my own thing. I fell short of God's glory in many ways. I was a sinner, lost and dead in sin. Until stand up, Peter, Peter, stand up, Peter Walker. Come on, just so people can see you. See, Peter, good on you, Peter. Peter invited me to a meeting at the Salvation Army here in Mount Gambia in February 1980. And at that meeting, I was born again. You know, are you you willing, like Peter, Holy Spirit prompted him, go and invite John to this. It was my time to meet Jesus. Are you listening to the Spirit? We're to be led by the Spirit. Thank you, Peter. (laughs) And so that night I met Jesus and God turned my life around, you know. (laughs) I, I suddenly now couldn't care about God before. Now God was everything. I actually hated the church. I see something on TV about the church and I'd curse and swear at it and change the channel. I had no time for the church. I suddenly went from a person who hated the church who loved the church and wanted to be involved with the church. This meeting was on a, was on a 
was on a Wednesday night and I remember saying to the captain of the Salvation Army, I've got to be a Christian, but I hope it doesn't mean I've got to go to church. <laughs> and, you know, and he shared Jesus with me and I was born again. It was Wednesday. I couldn't wait for Sunday. Just couldn't wait. I just, you know. And I couldn't shut up because I met Jesus. Couldn't help speaking about what I'd seen and heard. I went and preached Jesus to everybody in my family, every relative, all my friends. Got together with two other people from this church and we sent out tracts to every household in Mount Gambia, Millicent and Clangadoo about Jesus. And then I was going to go through the phone book of all the thousands of names in it and ring everybody <laughs> to tell them about Jesus. Only I got talked out of it. I often wonder what would have happened if I hadn't got talked out of it. And so, what about you? Can you not help speaking about Jesus? Or haven't you really seen or heard? Or you don't, you haven't experienced that. Wow. Yeah, I don't know how you can shut up about Jesus. I've got to put messages on the internet. I put messages on the internet about Jesus nearly every day. I can't keep Jesus to myself. Wow. Anyway, let's have a look at verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. You know, what a great thing to do, to raise your voices together in prayer. What a great thing to do. They raised their voices together in prayer and said, Sovereign Lord, a good place to start in prayer is exalting God for who he is and then bring your petitions Let's have a look at verse 29. Verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats. This is what they're praying. Now this is the petition part. The first part, they praise God. Now they're petitioning God. They're bringing a crest. Now, Lord, consider their threats. What threats? Well, don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus or you'll be in big trouble. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word of God with great boldness. Gee, I just thought they were doing it in great boldness. Obviously, they think they need more boldness. What, what a good prayer. Enable your servants. Where are we? Where is it? What verse am I? 29. Anyway, what a great prayer to ask God to enable, well, there it is, to enable you to speak the word with great boldness. Do you ever pray that? Do you ever pray that? to ask God to enable you to speak the word with great boldness. You know, you can only speak God's word and share Jesus with others in great boldness by the power of the Spirit. And so you're asking God that that be in your life. I mean, I do. I definitely do. Now, we, we meet here to pray on Sunday nights for this city, that we'll have revival in this city, that people know Jesus like you and I know Jesus. I ask God here on Sunday nights often, Father, Enable us to speak your word with great boldness. Do it, Father. I ask you to do it. Please. Please. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I mean, just been a sign and a wonder, this crippled man who'd been crippled for 40 years had just been healed. And what are they doing? They're praying that God would do it more. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Do you ever pray such a prayer? 
I certainly do. Do it here on Sunday nights. Oh, Father, would you stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus? Why should we pray such a thing? Why should we? Well, look at that crippled man. Man, he would have been so blessed to have been healed like that. But I don't believe that's the main reason. The main reason is all these people came running to see what's going on. How's this man who is crippled jumping and leaping? That opened the door when there's a miracle, it's a sign that makes people wonder what's going on. And they come wondering. That happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came as a rushing mighty wind with tongues of fire upon the people and they spoke in all the different languages of the people there. People come running. It was a sign. They wonder, wondering, what's going on? Are you drunk? That's what I said. Are these men drunk? No. <laughs> they filled with the Spirit. And so that's why we need for God to stretch out his hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. It opens the door to share Jesus. You know, I often say it's hard here in Mount Gamba to share Jesus. Well, if people saw people healed in a sign of wonder, it would become easier because people will become open to listen. They won't all receive what you say. Some will hate you for what you say, but they'll come and listen and people will be brought into the kingdom. You know, this guy I was talking about a while ago who was the vicar of Baghdad. He says in his book, actually I've got it here, women in his church normally went round the hospital there and spent time just ministering and encouraging people in the hospital. And this particular day, he said, they heard this lady crying and they went and asked her, what's wrong? She told them her baby had died. Our women went to the mortuary and found the little thing lying cold and lifeless. They prayed for him and in a few minutes the baby started to cry. When they took him back to his mother, her tears of grief were turned to tears of joy. This experience of healing is one of the reasons for the incredible growth of our church. See, you see the effect of a miracle of a sign and wonder. I'll read that last thing again. This experience of healing is one of the reasons for the incredible growth in our church. This is an Anglican church. People know that at St George's something happens. Do they know that something happens here? Verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Wow. After they prayed, the place they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. That's a mighty infilling of the Holy Spirit. The building shook. Wow, how powerful is that? And what happened? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit again. Because we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again and again and again and again and again. It's the only way we can be witnesses of Jesus is by the power of the Spirit. You know, Peter was filled with the day of Pentecost and he's filled with the Holy Spirit again while he's talking to his people. Now he's filled again. It's not a one-time thing. We need to be filled and go on being filled. Paul says that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, be filled with the Spirit and in the tense of that, in the original words, it says be filled and go on being filled and go on being filled. 
Are you open to God filling you with the Spirit over and over again? If you're not, you won't be a very good witness. So just to finish today, just meant to go through a few things I've shared. Without the resurrection of Jesus, forget about this. Don't bother coming again. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you're lost and dead in your sin. The important place of seeing healings and signs and wonders, not just for the person who gets healed, but so others will want to come and hear. It opens the door for to share the gospel. Now, none of us can manufacture healings and signs and wonders. I cannot turn it on. But God can. And so we ask him to stretch out his hand to heal and do signs and wonders. And he does it through people. But if you try to do it in your own power, I've tried that. <laughs> I've tried that. Remember trying to pull this crippled person out of a wheelchair? They stayed there because I was trying to do it. <laughs> it has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. And so I keep praying, Father, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your Holy Servant Jesus, through Jesus working through us. And if, you, if you're going to be out there for Jesus, you'll probably get some persecution. I get it often on the internet. I don't get thrown in prison. I just get people swearing and cursing me, whatever. But most of them I get back from people on the internet as real encouragement, that they've been very encouraged. And so you'll get both if you're going to be out there. Like Peter and John, do people know you've been with Jesus? Do they see you've been with Jesus? Do they take note you've been with Jesus? And as I've been saying, we need to be filled with the Spirit over and over again. They came together and prayed. Wow. Hope you do that in your house churches. And we've got a prayer meeting here Sunday nights. And we're praying a particular prayer. We've been praying it for years that God would send revival to his church here in Mount Gambia, that many in this city will be saved because God starts with his own people and that God would stretch out his hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through his holy servant Jesus and that God would fill us with his spirit and great boldness, that we wouldn't be timid like Peter was before he was filled with the spirit. And to me, the most important thing in here is salvation is found in no one else. Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus. Jesus is the only way to God. He's the only way to experience eternal life. He's the only way to experience hope and purpose in your life. I can tell you what, <laughs> doesn't matter what happens, you know, whether I go through a bushfire or whether the farm got flooded or I got diseased out, all my sheep had to be slaughtered. Then I restocked and restocked with another disease lot and they had to be slaughtered. doesn't matter. It doesn't. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And you want to know that? You've got to say yes to Jesus. He comes in and brings life. And salvation is found in no one else. And so with that I'm going to pray and it doesn't matter. Now I'm going to say, it doesn't matter whether it's your first day here or it's your second week here or you've been coming 50 years regularly, unless you've said yes to Jesus, you're still lost and dead in your sin and on the highway to hell.
So I'm going to pray now, and if, and if that's where you are, but you don't want to be there anymore, you want to be on the highway to heaven, well, Jesus is your highway to heaven. You can experience heaven here on earth and then in its fullness later on. And so you can join with me in this prayer, and you don't have to pray the same words I do, but you just need to mean it from your heart. So let's pray. Father, you are almighty God, you are a holy, righteous God, and I have sinned against you. I have fallen short of your standard. And my sin has separated me from you. But I don't want to be separated from you. I want to know you, experience you, walk with you, know eternal life, know my home is with you forever. To know one day I too will have a resurrection body that will last forever. And so I ask, Lord Jesus, will you come into my life because you're the Lamb of God who has taken away my sin, my guilt and my shame. And so I receive you, Jesus, as my Saviour. And I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord. That means you're the boss and I want to walk with you and walk in your ways. So come into my life and take over. Be Lord and Saviour of my life. Thank you, Father. And fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might be a bold witness for you. And Father, I just pray now for all of us. Father, I pray for all of us. You've called us all to be your witnesses. And we can't do it in our own power. We can't do it in our own strength. And so, Father, I ask that you would fill us with your Spirit afresh. Fill us with your Spirit afresh to be your witnesses. Father, we ask for your holy boldness, your boldness to share Jesus. Not a work tried, worked up boldness, but your boldness that comes by your Spirit. We ask, Father, that you stretch out your hand in the name of Jesus to, do, to heal and perform signs and wonders so that people will listen, so we have more of an open door to share Jesus that we can bring more and more into your kingdom, that people can know you, Father, that people can know you, Jesus, know life that is eternal life, life that knows no end. Amen.